0: Hey, security peeps, we are live with another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity. Today, we have two awesome special guests, but first, I am Renee Small, Cybersecurity Super Recruiter, demystifying cybersecurity for folks and helping awesome talent get into the hands of leaders and helping leaders hire great talent. I have two wonderful people here. First, the host of CISO Talk, James
1: are Good morning, LinkedIn world. Hello. <laughs> we are live.
0: You can already tell this is going to be a live one. <laughs> this is going to be a live one today. And the infamous Naomi Buckwalter. What oh, makes me infamous? Wow. <laughs> you have a million follow. You have a million likes, chimes, loves on right. the night. Yes,
2: let's translate that into money, guys. <laughs> We're trying to figure that out, right? You know, if, yes. if,
1: if if social media networks really wanted to make money, they would re reposition the advertiser money to the best content creators. That's why YouTube got so big.
0: Mm. That's a really good point. So, James, what are we talking about today?
1: So, we're going to talk about something that's really interesting. Um, we're going to talk about this gap that exists between recruiters, HR, CISOs, and applicants, And that gap that is the, I want someone who knows Kubernetes for 13 years when Kubernetes has really been around for eight. Um, But you want someone with 13 years of experience in Kubernetes because some arbitrary person somewhere decided that they want 13 years of Kubernetes experience. That's what we're going to talk about. Kind of bringing all of that together. how How do we break down that barrier?
0: It sounds awesome. It's a hot topic. It's something that is happening daily in the industry. Um, you know, we all, you all have seen it. The post, the discussion. Um, so, Naomi. Hey, Renee. We're off with you? <laughs> Fearless CISO.
2: Yeah, what do you want me to say? I mean, like, uh, I, I talked with a lot of, I've talked with a lot of applicants, especially during the pandemic, they're having a hard time even getting interviews. So uh, let's talk about the gaps on possibly why? What are those, some of those reasons? Let's go through them.
1: Totally. Well, well, let's start with the whole idea of just getting a job description together. Yes, a good start. That's that's a great place to start. Renee, as a recruiter, you obviously see a ton of job descriptions sometimes you put in. How many edits does an average job description get, in your opinion?
0: Probably one. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. <laughs> sad but true. Oh, sad no. but true. You know, I have um, had the experience of working mostly in... Um, Fortune 100 and Fortune 500, supporting Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies um, over the last almost 20 years. Job descriptions unfortunately get such, they they don't get much love, you know. Um, They tend to be, you need to have a manager, a leader, a hiring leader that shows up with a job description that they either created based on somebody else's. their former persons who's sitting in the role. So if there's a, if it's a, um, a backfill and I want to fill Naomi's spot. And Naomi is siso extraordinaire. She does everything. She's awesome. She grew up in the field. She's picked up all these various experiences. She has, you know, um, all these amazing talents. So she is the person that knows Kubernetes since, you know, 1990-something. She's the designer of this. She has all of these skills, and they come with this laundry list of things and put it out there, typically handing it over to a recruiter. Um, Again, this is like the Fortune 500 world. Sending it to the recruiter depending on the type of recruiter that's in this space, they may, they may be working on just technology. They may be working on cybersecurity. They may be working on a bunch of different roles. They may be split between HR, you know, recruit. When I was in one of, one of the companies that I worked at, I used to work on HR positions, you know, Java developer. I supported the development team. And then I supported information security as well. So I'm working on all these different roles, a manager, you're the leader, you know what you want. I take it, I make it look pretty <laughs> and post it out. And maybe kick it back to you one or two times and then post it. So I would say from my experience, it's not like it's getting a ton of edits. What do you guys think? What have, what have your experiences been?
1: Naomi?
2: Yeah, I thought it would be more than one, Renee. And when you said one, I was like, well, that explains so much. You know, I've written job descriptions actually, and I'm like, yeah, this looks pretty good. But you know what? I've actually just copied it from other people's job descriptions. So if we're just copying people's bad job descriptions, we're totally screwed. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know anyone who would actually edit it because <laughs> they kind of trust you to put together a job description of some a person that you need. So they're probably like, hey, you're the expert. You should know what you want. Uh, go ahead and send it out to the world. So. Yeah,
0: <laughs> not too much out there. That, that's exactly what I, I would say.
1: So I'll tell you this. I, I put no, I, I could care less about a college education when I put up a job description or a job requisite, I don't care about college. College to me is an outdated institution. I care more about are you doing, Is is security a part of your life? Meaning is this something that you're doing even when you have an extra hour off? Are you reading a book are you studying for a cert um like are you twinkering with things in your home like i care more about that than i do of someone who went to a four-year college degree and i constantly have to find myself with hr when i put up a job right going well should they have a minimum requirement of a bachelor's degree and i'm like no and and i have to go through that debate all the time simply because they're just like well you know, this is a mid-management role. Don't you want them to have a bachelor's? And I'm like, like, do you want to like really? I don't know it's that I want a bachelor's. Like, I don't really care for it. Like,
0: it's not necessary.
1: It's it's unnecessary. I mean, you're you're you could be eliminating great candidates because of your college degree requirement.
0: Oh, I 100% agree. And I know Naomi agrees. Yeah, that. I know.
2: And I've seen companies just tack it on at the end. They're like, oh, they probably just forgot to put this part. And they want to standardize everything. So all the job recs like, from finance to customer success to sales to IT all have the same ending, which is like, we need a four-year bachelor's. We need like all this experience and all this stuff. And you're like, what? That, that makes no sense, especially in cyber, particularly. James, well, you're right.
1: It, it, it creates a huge gap where I'm speaking to applicants like you are Naomi, right? And people approach us on LinkedIn. We're, we're accessible people. I answer most non-sales messages I get. Um, most non-sales messages I get. <laughs> um, and and most people are really nice and they're just like, Hey, I want to get started in, in, in cyber. I'm doing my security plus, or I'm doing my certified ethical hacker, but I'm, I'm looking at jobs and they want a one or two year experience, even for an entry-level position. And you go, this is entry level folks. Like no, you- Yeah. <laughs> entry level.
2: You guys see ISC Squared put that put out that release. They're like, CISSP is not an entry level cert, and everyone's like, Yes, they said it, yes. <laughs> Yeah. Like Twitter went a little crazy about him. Like, oh, wow.
0: Because it's yeah. ridiculous. Fabian chimed in with a thousand hand claps. <laughs> Here.
1: Well, because it, it you know what trick. you end up doing with the college degrees? You end up eliminating the people who do need a break to get into cyber. Yeah. Right? Because you're setting how many people don't go to college because they can't afford to go to college or their life circumstances don't allow them to go to college.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's a dated it's a dated mindset and being the person that has been in HR and like on the other side, cause I was, I was in there fighting the fight for you guys. Like I was the recruiter sitting in HR. You were my client, my internal client. So my former CISO who we're like bosom buddies now, but in the beginning the very beginning, you know, I was that person in HR coming to this, you know, to the CISO saying first and foremost, um, what is what does all of this mean? Like I have no idea what any of this stuff means. So you know we'll we'll jump into that a little bit later. but most recruiters that are not in like deeply involved, they have no idea what any of this stuff means because I didn't. Um, and then on top of that, um, I would fight sometimes because I would be going back to HR. And saying to my leaders, like, hey, why do we have to put a, why do we have to, why does the person have to have a a, a bachelor's degree? You know, like, if they have all this experience. Or sometimes I, even as a recruiter, I would see all the great experience. This has happened to me a number of times. With, I mean, extensive experience, not even, like, super entry level. These are people 10, 15 years, seasoned, awesome professionals. And one actual client that I had, um, big for accounting, they said point blank, we can't do it, and I was like, "Why not? Like, this is exactly the person that you're looking for," and um, they were like, "Ultimately, it was just such a big fight to fight." Um, and I guess when they get auditors by when they get audited by their auditors, like everyone's supposed to have a college degree, everybody's supposed to have certain you know criteria. So th- with that one, they they just said straight up, like, "I we can't, I can't do it." Um, I've also heard with government, and um, James, you might be able to, to, to jump in here because I know that you've been in that arena. I know that I have heard that, you know, like so for some of the roles, it's, an, it's, a no, um, it's a non-starter if you don't either have the certification or whatever criteria is written down that they, uh, they you know, the, the government contractor told the government that they were going to um, abide by.
1: Yeah, so in the government contractor space, the way they win most awards is through CVs. Right? So I will take your I'll take Naomi's CVs and based on Naomi's CV, I could win an award for a specific project. So Naomi has to be I'm essentially selling the person and that person's qualifications. So yeah, I mean if you don't if you don't have that, then you don't get it but but predominantly in the military and like in the defense space they care pre- more about security clearances than they do about experience mm-hmm. um so you'll see and i mean that's one of the that that's one of the things i feel like we're missing in security is we we have this in the government side we you know we realize we can teach people the technical skills but we want to get the right people with the right soft skills who have the right security clearance so that they can get right onto the job right And in the corporate world, it's like, if you haven't done a four year college degree, You know, if you haven't paid your dues, if you haven't been hazed as a freshman in college, if you did, if you're not a hundred thousand dollars in debt, you're probably not going to be a good employee. We don't want you. Yeah. You don't have anything to lose. You're not, you're not, you're not going to deal with a lot of bullshit as an employee because you, you know, you don't have a student loan to pay off. You know, you're not a hundred thousand dollars in debt.
2: You're not a slave to us forever. right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're not
1: just going to up and quit on Tuesday morning because, you know, you, of something. Yeah, you, You're going to think about your student loan.
2: <laughs> you need us. Yes. <laughs> I'm still paying off my student loans, guys. And I've been out of school since
0: 2003. So there you have it. I'll be in debt for a while. Me too. I just recently paid off mine. But, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Congratulations. How does it feel? <laughs> i mean (laughs) i'm about to sign up for another one but
1: but 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 you you laugh at this but this is one of the challenges that exist for a lot of applicants right and a lot of hiring managers is they feel like um they can't get to the point where you can hire good qualified people if they don't have that degree and there are a lot of people who alternate this. Who, I know right now kids that are 15 and 16 years old that are studying for a security plus and a certified ethical hacker.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. I had one on here. We had somebody, he was like 7, 16, 17, and he had ha- passed his certs because in the high school around that I partner with, they have a cyber academy and they teach the kids to the certs. And they have AWS come in and they have the the, the their teachers. I was gonna say professors, yeah. So, you know, you're right. Like we 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 tend to as an industry are, you know, choking ourselves. We have our foot on our own necks in terms of trying to get people into this field because we put up all these silly barriers yeah. that are outdated.
2: That's where I feel like we can talk to look at countries like Israel, who has cyber education from such an early age and that requirement to be in the the army you can choose to be in the cyber force what is it called james
1: 8200 right? 8200 yes. 8, yeah but, there, right? no I, I was in the us oh, military oh you're the us army sorry. i was i was in the us military my wife was in the israeli military that's what it she's was, yeah. she, she's she's really scary um um <laughs> Very smart, but but I'm I'm terrified of her. <laughs> uh, I'm just like, um, is she looking at me? Like she's she's literally the Zohan, right? Like if you've ever seen Don't Mess with the Zohan, she'll like randomly appear in places. Like I'm like, how'd you get here? I didn't even hear you.
0: I hope your door is locked right now. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, I'm live. If she if, if like I tip over at any point,
0: we know to call. We know where to find couple of good comments coming in through here. So Danielle Goodwin says CISSP for entry level like, you know, constantly on these job descriptions. Patrick Moten says feels like the exception not the rule. CISSP for entry level is a constant on job descriptions.
1: Well, and again, and 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 that comes JJ. into <laughs> <I'm> like- here. <laughs> hey, JJ
0: here. JJ.
1: Hey JJ. Hey JJ. Um and and it's okay. We we started a little bit late too. Like, right, right, Renee?
0: We did. Yeah. It's all good.
1: But, but um, I was going to say something and I totally spaced out because of all the comments. I know. The CISSP. I know exactly what I was talking about. That's I'm telling you, I see it constantly where you write a job description. And like Naomi said, someone in HR will just start to add a list of things on there, like a signature to an email.
0: <laughs> See, HR is the yeah. point. So you not know, have to I have to on the one hand I defend HR and on the other hand I I I I feel your pain because I literally sat in that same spot. And I know sometimes they try to make stuff look pretty, like, oh, it needs to be jazzed up. Um, however, you know, the good HR person should really be going back to the leader and saying, Hey, I saw these other job descriptions, you know, this is what they had on there. Do you need this on this, on yours? And then another kind of like spot check is when HR, I know this is what we used to do, we would send it back to the, like, if, for example, I saw stuff and it was like, Usually, usually only grammatical related stuff. I wasn't really one to be adding things in, but if there was grammatical things, and I would send it back and say, you know, maybe I I don't know what a CISSP is, and they have a space in it, and it says CIS and then SP, you know, like <laughs> <is> this <laughs> are these two certs? Is this one like what is this? You know, so sending it back to get that final kind of eagle eye for them to for the leader to say, yep, this looks right, or no, we don't need a CIS. What like where did this come from? Why is there a CIS? SSP on here, you know, that kind of dialogue. And it really goes to the partnership between the HR person that's working on the role and the leader. Um, that is so, so, so very, very important because otherwise, you know, it's if when HR just goes off and as you all know, post the position and then good luck because who's getting through that applicant tracking system? I could go down that rabbit hole in a second too um with LinkedIn postings, applicant regular applicant tracking system postings where they rank your resume against the job description. And so the recruiter is like taking the top 10 people like, oh, these people look good and forwarding them on, you know? Um so
1: but but there's a breakdown, right? We we can all agree that there's a breakdown because somewhere between the manager who needs to hire someone to his boss if you know if it's a vp for example who's filling a rec he's obviously completing the job description and sending it to the ciso who's then sharing it with hr that then hr shares it with a recruiter right and somewhere there a mess is created and a disconnect is started
0: so james when you say hr and the recruiter do you mean hr internally recruiter and the
1: recruiter external, external. yeah recruiter
0: external okay so typically Again, good recruiting departments. The HR person, the recruiter, and the leader do a conference call or a Zoom or something. So pre-COVID-19, everybody gets on the phone together because you, you know, the the recruiter, especially if the HR person doesn't even know anything about security and they want to get the recruiter, they they should want to bring the recruiter in so the recruiter knows exactly who is the expert in the space. Knows exactly what the leader is looking for, um, and I've been like I said on both sides of that table. Um, so the 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 partnership it really truly is when it works well like a three prong partnership. You have your internal HR person, you have your leadership, and then you have your um your external you know executive recruitment slash headhunter slash staffing you know whatever you want to call it depending on the organization, and the three get together, right when you have that kickoff meeting to say, hey, you know, this is, if I wanna play that role right now, Renee Small from Cyber Human Capital here to support you, HR person, let's say Naomi will be HR for right now. Naomi will say, okay, we have, okay, James, you're looking for an incident response analyst. We have Renee on the phone. She's from Cyber Human Capital. She's done this for years and years. She knows exactly the type of stuff that you're looking for. And then executive recruiter and James could really have the conversation because Renee understands what's going on in the marketplace. She just placed a couple incident response people. You say you want somebody for hundred grand with 10 years experience. I tell you that's unrealistic. We go back and forth, you know. And so the expectation is set. All of that good stuff happens. And then you have a more successful, cohesive, like, partnership. And you meet every week and you go over, like, open positions and recs and things like that. Um, and the, the the applicants that are coming through, what the challenges are in the market, all of that is happening um, in a successful partnership. Um, what goes rogue is when either one of two things, either the HR person just literally kicks it over. Cause I know sometimes in some organizations, I don't know why, well, I kinda know why they do this, but it doesn't make sense. Um, they will want, they don't want the vendor to speak to the end to the the hiring leader, which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. So, you know, I've been in situations where partnering with a Fortune 50 company and I'm in that executive recruiter space and the internal HR person doesn't want me to talk to James, the recruitment, the, 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 the CISO. So it's this kind of telephone game. So the CISO's telling HR, HR is telling me, it's all disconnected, that tends to happen. So you have all kinds of issues with that, that will drag out a search like, like nothing else, like no other. So really having that partnership I think is key.
2: Meanwhile, we have the poor applicants on our side wow. trying to manipulate their resumes so they can trick the ATS systems to pick their resume out of the top 10%. You know, And they're going crazy. I've talked to so many of these folks, they're tired of manipulating their resume just to get eyeballs on it, you know, and they're, they're like, oh, I have to manipulate my skills this time to match the keywords in the job rec, or I have to like modify my summary and my experiences. And it's just exhausting, these poor folks. And they're still not getting interviews because no one really knows what they're looking for. I think that's what it comes down to. And, and the applicants feel the brunt of it. And unfortunately, that's just how it is right now
1: well the applicants feel the brunt of it predominantly because of the fact that like you said instead of focusing on getting the right job right they're focused on trying to make it so that they're noticed and this whole idea of automating hr right with uh, with picking you know from a system the top 10 matched cvs seems almost uh, i don't know almost crazy like it's 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 a game of luck it's like drawing straw Right, like when we were kids we used to draw like who would get like the shortest straw would have to be the one that did like the grunt work like it feels like that's what the hiring process has become for for a lot of these applicants and they give up yeah. at some point
0: they do they do they do. They do and it's it's kind of sad it's it, it's so unfortunate like in in uh, Naomi you and well, we, we've all talked about this but I feel their pain because I feel like applicants um well, one thing, first and foremost, I want to give out a, a, um, a tool. I think it's called think it's called Job Fight. And you can put in the job description and you ha- Naomi, have you heard of it before? Oh, no. no tell me. Yeah, no. So You put your resume in, you put the job description in, and it kind of does what the ATS does. So it tells you, OK, you would be ranked 60%. Oh. So it helps, you know, with you. So it's almost like a, a resume builder that you can kind of do yourself. Um, but yeah, it shouldn't be that way. you know It should not be that a person has to go and look at um, and change your resume for every role to James's point. A to Naomi's point is exhausting. B to James's point, you're not even going after the role. you're going after how you can fit yourself into a square peg into a round hole, um, which is ridiculous. It's even more ridiculous because we supposedly have this, 3 million, 6 million, 10 million, you know, name the number of open positions that are out there um, that are supposed to be open. And you have people that are somewhat, you know, at least at an entry level qualified, meaning they have a degree from somewhere, they have some certifications from somewhere, they've done some of the, you know, they've done a little bit their entry level um, from an entry level perspective, they are, you know, quote unquote qualified. And they can't. There's, you know, it's this big, huge roadblock for them to get in. So um, there's a huge disconnect. James with the ATS stuff. Um, and Roger is asking me if his job fight is job. I think I believe his job bite, E I T E. But I'll look it up beforehand and I'll put it in here. Um, before I get started, I want to throw up some of these comments because the comments are covered in. There. It's not Okay. JJ says he's not in debt from excessive purchase of pop. <laughs>
1: um, we we all are. We all are.
0: JJ, I'm in debt from excessive purchases of wine. Um, <laughs> uh, Roger says, and then there's the factoring in loan debt for salary requirements. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anna Mm -hmm. has two good comments. There are a ton of amazing, passionate people trying to break into the cyber industry. These folks are told that they are too green even after attaining their security plus and can demonstrate technical knowledge. What apprenticeship programs are available for entry-level cyber professionals looking to break in the industry? I have several people interested. How can we help them?
1: So this starts with knowing where to look for a job, right? I hear a lot of times people are ignoring some of the cybersecurity vendors or MSPs or MSSPs that are willing to give you that hands-on experience because they need the skill. And sometimes they don't have a lot of money to pay. So sometimes going down that small business route on a vendor side is going to get you a little bit more experience before you go and work for you know a, a bigger company.
0: Uh, Anna also says, I have a 28 year background in cybersecurity IT, I'm a US Army disabled veteran. There seems to be a ton of jobs for those of us senior folks but not many entry level job open jobs open to cultivate and train the next generation of cyber professionals. I've been mentoring students interested in our industry but no one seems to want to give them a chance. They've even paid and graduate from a 12 week cyber bootcamp.
1: Well, Anna, thank you for your service number one. Um, and you're right. Um, there, I, I just for, for the entire month of November, my, my whole podcast is all around veterans in cyber. Um, and yeah. so, uh, you know, I've, I've already started recording some of those episodes. And even in some of those conversations, one of the things we i have noticed already, is the fact that some of the job openings that we see today is middle of the road, kind of mid managers. The entry level positions are either falling to the wayside because of automation, um, or or because there's just no need for any more junior level positions as many. And and I think Danielle just wrote that there. That's the comment we see on the screen. But you're seeing a lot of senior positions that are needed. And then that's the problem that happens with the senior positions. You have guys that have been doing this for five, six, seven, eight, nine years, right? They have the experience. They may not have a college degree because they got into cyber and decided, you know, to start working and not go to school. They could have a bunch of certs, but they don't, you know, like you said earlier, they don't fit the mold that signature on the bottom of every job description, and so they don't get that 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 mid-range senior role. That they're qualified for unless they go and do something that really I haven't yet seen um, a a real benefit or a difference between someone with a college degree or someone without a college degree doing it. And this isn't a referendum on college degrees, right? Like, I don't want to go down that that rabbit hole. But at the same time, that's typically what's hindering people from reaching uh, mid-level or senior level management positions today in cyber.
0: Yeah, um, I know, it's so exhausting. Um, well,
1: I mean, you, you have to look at how do we bridge that gap, right? right? I mean, we we, can, we, we don't want to just focus on, well, this is a problem. Well, how do we start bridging it? Well, it starts by anyone who's, who's got a hand in this industry who's recruiting or who has the ability to influence people to recruit to drop all these different requirements. If you start to see several people drop the requirements, more people are likely to start dropping them as well.
2: Just like Google, right? They came up with their most recently saying no more college degree. I worked for a company, Litmus. They had the same thing. No more college degree. And we're like, yay, that helps a lot for everything. Right.
1: Because now you're judging a person based on who's best qualified for the job. You're giving everyone a fair chance at it.
0: Yeah, exactly right it- uh, the president just put it he did an executive order back in august i believe yep no more college degree uh, no more college degree you know for certain roles and i think it's just so important And it, it got that post that i put up went crazy <laughs> it went <completely laughs> viral because i've seen it i've seen people with the experience to james's point you know Fifteen years of cybersecurity experience, like you said, James got in, worked their way up from help desk or whatever the case is, knows the job inside out. The best candidate, in my humble opinion, I'm looking at the resumes. I'm like, this is the best candidate, and they can't get in because of no college degree. And I think Naomi, you posted on LinkedIn that pro- I think that probably that one went viral too, a few months ago about somebody who was offered a position and then reneged because they didn't have the degree, but they and had. It- Exactly. That's because it was a it was a, a contract that that company
2: had with one of their clients that the CV didn't match what the contract said. Said you needed a college degree, no matter what that college degree was in. That's the ironic part. Yeah, you know some people can have it in underwater basket weaving, and he didn't have one, so poor guy I had to keep looking, and it was months of unemployment for him
1: but but and and that's the thing right now we're dealing with an economy that thanks to the covid-19 crisis we're seeing a lot of job loss there's a ton of people under under unemployment right now and um and and we have candidates we have people that are right now willing to go to school and 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 get started so someone who you know, could have been a, a a mid-level IT manager who can go and 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 really get the technical skills for cyber and go into a mid-management role isn't even getting the chance. Yeah. And so we have to bridge that gap, and that starts with you know doing stuff like this where we're talking about it and we're able to influence enough to get people to to take it off. I don't put college degrees on any job posting. I won't. I refuse to do it. And if someone tells me, hey, we, we only work with, um, um, you know, I've met recruiters that go, yeah, I've got people, you know, with college degrees and whatnot, and that's what they lead with. I'm like, I don't really care. College doesn't tell me that someone's ready to do the job I need. I need experience, hands on. You know, I need someone who's got good soft skills. Where are those candidates?
0: Leaders say that all day long. I mean, I people ask me you know, having having interacted with so many Jameses and Naomi's and, you know, the candidate side and enough CISOs and CIOs and CTOs and all that. And hands down, when whenever someone reaches out to me, they ask me certification, certifications or degrees or this or that or which school and, you know, and I tell them, experience trumps degrees every day of the week. Leaders want to know, I give this person a task, they can get it. Done. If you're entry level, that you know you're familiar, you know a little bit enough. Entry level is ridiculous. At five years' experience, it should be zero to two years. Every company I've ever worked in, zero to two years of experience, literally being able to train from the bottom up with the type of compensation that aligned with being able to train. You know, um, and it's it's just it's ridiculous. So,
1: well. A Go ahead, Renee.
0: You want to do comments? Let's oh, go do ahead, it.
1: No, no, let's do it. Let's do comments. Okay.
0: okay, Craig Evans. I've been lucky enough to pick up an entry-level cyber role despite no previous IT experience. Craig, we're bringing you on the podcast. As you already highlighted, it's a real battle. My advice is aim for small startups, as they are more likely to give you the opportunity. Yeah, you're yeah.
1: absolutely right, Craig. You're absolutely right. Most it's it's, it's also with applicants understanding who to, where to apply. Right, go to a local MSP or MSSP, which your security plus, and and join their team. That's
0: yeah, good advice. Um, I don't know who this is, but th- the question is what is a typical entry-level position in cyber? Well, you're yeah. looking at yeah,
2: you're looking at those analyst roles. Anything with the word analyst <laughs> is it a very good giveaway that this is a junior level role. Um, you know, the numbers really help sometimes. The larger companies will break down a role by level one, two, and three. So you're looking at those level one positions. Junior is always a good giveaway. So junior security analyst. Um, junior pen tester, anything like that, would be your entry level roles. Those are some of those common titles.
1: What's a junior pen tester?
2: <laughs> Someone who doesn't want to do or the other <laughs> things that the seniors don't want to do. Uh, enumeration mostly. <laughs> Rick, the rest of us don't want to do.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah they write the report.
0: <laughs> oh no! Yeah, you're right. <laughs>
1: uh, Can we mean, get any lazier?
2: <laughs> uh, just, just a note about the soft skills. and This is a really good point that James brought up. Like, How do you actually check for soft skills? Because on one hand, you have your resume, which is a marketing document about yourself and a cover letter in which you really need to talk yourself up. And at the same time, if you do that, it's hard to actually gauge your level of EQ, your emotional intelligence, your empathy. It's really hard to really have that shine through. So what I tell applicants is you need to start putting yourself out there in terms of content. So write a blog write on linkedin post on other people's comments like you need to start showing that you have a softer side of yourself and you can empathize with certain points of view because when you start doing that the people who are looking for people with soft skills they're going to see you and they're going to be like hey this person has exactly what we need they communicate in a way that we resonate with at my at our company in fact not a lot of people know this but the reason why i got my first leadership role was because i started writing articles and blogs And somebody like one out of the 10 people actually came by and read it and they're like, Hey, this is exactly what we need. Come interview for us. I'm like, okay, sure. And so the the only reason why I got that is because I started writing and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and people were like, Hey, yeah, that's, that's great. It shows me you have a personality of soft skills. Let's see if you're interested in this job. And not a lot of people do that. They were just like, Oh, I don't have anything to write or I have nothing to say. I'm like, actually you do share it with the world." put content out there that you care about. I promise you someone's going to read it and they're going to say, yeah, that's pretty
1: good. And then five other people are going to just tell you you're stupid. Um, yeah. trolls you and know, th- the trolls and haters exist. And I think that's the biggest challenge for a lot of people. That's their debate in creating content is even when to create content they're creating content that's really generic. And I've seen that with applicants where I, I interviewed someone three months ago for a position and the person came through, and I don't do a traditional interview. Like I don't have, like I don't know. I want to see who the person is, so I ask them a ton of questions um, about them, their personality, their experiences, and so forth. And so uh, I also told the applicant to come with blogs that they've written, published, and unpublished. I go, bring me one blog that you've put out there, and bring me another blog that you said that I'm not going to put out there. And so they did, and the blog that they didn't put out there was so good. But they didn't put it out there because they weren't ready to defend some of the controversy that's within their blogs, right? Because people are, like, afraid of turning someone off and losing an opportunity by speaking their mind. And I think that the in, in cyber, technical skills are easily duplicated. I can teach anyone how to be a, 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 a junior pen tester, right? I mean, that's pretty easy, or an analyst in a sock, um, or any of those roles. But the, your soft skills, your thought process, the way you think, that's your uniqueness to the role. That's what separates you from any other candidate. And if you don't say what you have to say, if you're afraid of sharing your opinion, then this, I, and I didn't hire this person. Because even though he was brilliant, I realized that his brilliance would never show up in a meeting room. So if we were doing a strategy meeting, if he didn't have the guts to put out that blog, he wouldn't have the guts to come in and share something that could afford us an uh, an opportunity to, to to have a more successful project or save money or or 500 other things.
0: Yeah. well, do Don't be th- afraid to be the antagonist. Exactly right. Do you think that – and I don't know how dreamy this person is, but do you think that they – The other side of this that I'm thinking of is that they put it out on LinkedIn or they put it out in social media. It's out forever, right? And they have to defend this thing to all these trolls, to people across the board. Whereas that person could potentially still have that strong voice when it's in a group, when it when it's in a smaller group, and not like cyber world. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts?
1: So, if you don't have the ability to post something within the group of a network of people who you've allowed into your life. So, anyone on LinkedIn that I interact with is someone who I've accepted into my network, meaning I've taken, I've made the conscious decision that I'm going to approve you. Please don't send me five LinkedIn messages trying to sell me something right away. <laughs> I beg you, right? And, and. <laughs> But after I've accepted you into my network, right? After I've accepted you into my network, you're now part of my network. You're also someone who I feel comfortable interacting with. Whether I know you or not virtually, I feel comfortable interacting with you. So I am going to interact with that person and I'm going to put out my opinions. Now, if they disagree, they can disconnect and they can go in and be like, you know, this James guy, he's an a hole, not doing this anymore, right? Um, his opinions are garbage and that's okay you're entitled to that opinion
0: no was this a junior person
1: no this was a mid-level
0: okay
1: this was a mid-level candidate
0: i feel like for junior people i have like a little bit of a sauce but i think that they are still kind of trying to get their way um
1: with junior i want to see drive I don't know about you, know me, but I want yes, to see passion.
0: passion. Oh yeah, some people hate
2: that word passion. Like, how do you even define that? Well, like, thirst like, for learning. How do you like, hate
1: passion? Like, how do you yeah. hate passion?
2: I know you're like, and it's so contagious too. Like, think about all the burned out people in security. It's because you lost that passion a long time ago, folks. Yeah. You need to surround yourself yeah. with like energy, and it doesn't even matter—not really youth, but like just like a fresh view and perspective that you used to have, but you got so burned out by the establishment that now <laughs>
1: you, know, you don't have that anymore.
2: So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the man, the man. <laughs> you have, you know, you surround yourself with positive energy. I know it sounds kind of hokey and, and whatever. It doesn't. But yeah, it doesn't. but
0: like, yeah. No, you're right.
1: It's not hokey. It's the whole idea of if you're surrounded by positive energy and positive people, you're bound to enjoy your work a lot more than what you're, what you would t- typically do. I saw a really funny thing this morning. I was on on, on Twitter, um, and and that's how I know how good or day or bad day it's going to be. Right? I just go on Twitter. The first twenty tweets let me know how outrageous the world is going to be today. Yeah. Right. And so they had this video and, and it had this like group of kids and it said, don't just love going to work, love being at work. And it's this kid. And while everyone else is playing an instrument, his instrument isn't needed. And he's just dancing and jamming out there in line while everyone else is just kind of like playing an instrument. And you're like, he loves music. This kid loves music. And, and I get that that resonates with people
2: hmm. I do the same thing. I go on Twitter and try to filter out the political stuff. But I go into security Twitter. And you could see like all the hot topics of the day. And I love that stuff. I love going on LinkedIn and seeing people with a personality like JJ, shout out, you're hilarious. But like, those are the kind of things I love to see are people who put themselves out there, original content, make them funny, give them a personality, anything like that. It makes my day. I it gives me energy. I love seeing that instead of like the
0: boring kind of stuff that you see yeah. all the time.
1: So Patrick, I want to give you, Patrick has a comment. Can I, can I take over Patrick's comment real quick?
0: One sec, right before you jump into Patrick, I want to just add to what you all talked about in terms of this whole social media aspect. Shellen Sampson was on my, um, on the podcast on Tuesday. Of, what, today is what? Thursday. So I think it was Tuesday or maybe Monday. In any event, he's from South Africa. He has this huge 15,000 person um, Facebook group. And he's brand new to the industry. He's he's like less than three years in the industry. And his comment at the end, I said, you know, what's the one piece of advice you would give? And he said, weaponize social media for your career. And I told him I was going to steal it and TM it. Uh, But... To your point, Naomi, to your point, James, you know, putting yourself out there, making social media work for you, for your career is key. Okay, now, Patrick.
1: Patrick, I hear a lot about how hard it is to get in, how many people can't get into entry level. I don't hear a ton of solutions that gets gets tough to hear. So yeah, that's why I kind of wanted to focus on solutions. And I was saying, like, let's evangelize the idea of dropping some of these requirements and let's be... And, and let's help these entry level people get in through the door. So, if you're an entry level person and you're trying to get a job somewhere and you're stuck, you know, reach it within your LinkedIn network and see who knows where you're trying to get in and see if they can help you get through that. Cause that's the only way we're really going to break down these barriers. Is it's th- there's no universal battle here. We're not all going to take up call to arms and charge this problem because we're just not right. Like, but what we can do is we can talk about it. What we can do is when someone is stuck in that rut to reach out to people like myself, I'll volunteer Naomi. Okay. I'll volunteer Renee and, and be like, hey, Renee, you know, you've had, you know, this person at this company. I'm trying to get a junior level job there, but I, I can't seem to get through to anyone. Can you help me? And Renee, I'm sure, will do her best to try to get you in. We don't guarantee that we'll get you hired, but we'll we'll reach out. We'll forward your CV. You know, we won't vet you because I've only got so many times. I've got so many minutes a day and, you know, we've, we've got a lot of work to do.
0: Yeah. Another thing, I mean, the piece that I wanted to add in is where I see, I think a lot, I say, I see people and I, I read the comments all the time, all over LinkedIn. And I see people really focus on the candidates. Um, and I think that it's really up to the leaders Um Leaders of these organizations like James Saying I'm never going to put you know not Never but you know I don't need a, a college Degree you know Naomi saying the same thing The leaders out there really need To put a stake in the ground like it's Your ass that's on the line if you don't have these People working for you you're doing that Work or like how is the work getting done
1: Right but but then let me give you the opposite To that no one's ever been fired for hiring PwC even though they were you know <laughs> Probably responsible for the Worst breach response In history yeah. Yeah. Right. But no one got fired for hi- no one got fired for hiring. for hiring P.W.C. Yeah. So I'd rather. So so a lot of times that risk goes in where H.R. is like, oh, I, and I've been in. That's why I won't work for a Fortune 100 or a Fortune 250. I won't do it because I realize the H.R. process. If I go and I say I don't want to hire any college graduates for my department, the moment one of my guys messes up, they're going to use that excuse To say if he had a college degree, this wouldn't happen. Well, you wouldn't know and completely destroyed because they're they're looking for that reason to make it fail because it breaks their entire um, establishment of how they work using Naomi's words of establishment
2: establishment wait so people have actually brought this to you and be like the reason why you failed is because you had no college agreement. so
1: so <laughs> I, I won't name a company but yes um I was in a, in a wow. position with with a with a big fortune 250 and we we hired a bunch of people and I told them I'm not I don't really care for college degrees and so I want to see every application So I had my EA go and grab every single application that came through because they were only forwarding me ones with college degrees, but none of them had some of the skills that we were looking for. And so we ended up hiring a diverse group of people. And um, one of them, about three and a half months in, had made a mistake, Uh, not a very costly mistake, made a mistake, but anyone else would have made it, right? Right. But HR hung that over my head. That's horrible. Right? Like the people in HR were just like, see, see, that's why we, we have, you know, standards. And I'm like, standard had nothing to do with this, man. Like you guys are just, you're looking for a talking point and you're looking for any fact whatsoever. Like if you're looking for a fact, you'll find any reason. You'll find any reason to dismiss it. Wow. And 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 they found that reason. That was their reason. I'm disgusted by
2: that. I, yeah. I feel dirty. I'm gonna go take a shower soon.
0: <laughs> That's yeah. So
1: not cool. I'm taking my second shower in three hours after this conversation.
0: <laughs> I like how it's scheduled. podcast, <laughs> I mean, I shower.
1: my shower's like right there too. Like I'm in my in-law suite in my basement, which is brilliant because I have a kitchen and I have a shower. Yeah. I don't even have to go. My wife is like did you, sh- what are you doing in the basement? You come up smelling fresh and clean. <laughs>
0: what exactly are you doing? Now? Yeah.
1: She's like, what are you doing in the basement all day?
0: Oh, Rashawn has a good comment uh, here. <coughs> the problem starts with eight, a- how HR or recruiters are putting out their job posts. They're only putting requirements based on degrees and specific certifications only without taking into account other certifications of equal merit and hands-on experience.
1: Absolutely true, Rashawn. Absolutely true.
2: You know, it's but- interesting to me, too. Sorry, James. Too uh, there, But people have boot camp experience. We don't talk about this a lot. But if you have boot camp experience, to me, that feels just as good as a four-year degree. So you can say something like, hey, if you don't have a college degree, how about some boot camp experience? If your company absolutely requires some sort of formal education. Because those boot campers, man, they have some passion. They are, are down to learn Uh, you know, very, very technical course in 12 weeks or fewer. And they are good. I'm telling you, there's some really good boot campers. There's got to be a range, but most of them have the passion, they have the dedication, the desire to learn, and it really, really comes out. So if, if your companies are requiring some sort of degree requirement,
0: consider boot camps
2: also. I think they're just as good.
1: Yeah, boot camps are great.
0: Roger says it would be nice if, like the trades, like carpentry, plumbers, et cetera, Chris Follon talks about this all the time, had they had apprenticeship levels for cyber professions, like an in house shop. So, I am very aware of some apprenticeship programs that actually was one of the things that have come out of this um, White House, this administration. Um, Ivanka Trump, she's been a big uh, proponent of. Um, Apprenticeships overall, and a number of companies are actually using apprenticeships to bring in cybersecurity professionals. I believe AWS is one, I believe IBM is one. Um, so, some of those bigger companies are doing this, but doing it in mass across many, many companies would be great.
2: Yeah, it only well, would if, work if we had federal subsidies for that, but the bigger companies can afford the apprenticeships. Well,
1: not I, I just challenge any cybersecurity vendor to, to launch a program like that within their organization. Right. I mean, we have some really big, very successful cybersecurity vendors who could start an apprenticeship program that, you know, uh, feeds not only their organizations, but other organizations down the line.
0: I agree 100 percent. Mighty Man wants to know, is there racism hiring in security? I have given up applying.
1: Wow. So... Is there racism, hiring insecurity? security? Um, I don't know that race has ever played for me as a reason to hire or not hire someone or interview or not interview anyone. And so, um, and I'd like to think that most organizations don't do that either. I mean, I, I would be mystified if that was the case.
2: But are there racist security? there's racist everywhere. So yeah.
1: R- racism is kind of like a global issue. Yeah. Well,
2: so, I mean, I don't want to say there isn't any, but it's not going to be in your face. That's for sure. There's going to yeah. be bias, unconscious bias. There's absolutely going to be that, but it spans a lot of different things, not just race.
1: Hey, mighty men, um, send us your CV. Send it to me directly. Um, I think I should be tagged and disposed. If not, look me up on LinkedIn. Send me your CV. Well, if if you're not getting through somewhere, let us take a look at what why you're not why you're not getting past that that first level and see how we can help you. But race shouldn't have any issue in that at all.
0: I 100 agree.
2: I've, in agree. in other countries like South Africa, they actually do have a requirement that you have to be a certain race. It's, it's the craziest thing, but they have different classes of people. And they're like, if you're class A, you're black. If you're class B, you're white. And everyone else is a class C. And then you can't get hired if you're a class C. It's like the craziest thing. But that's South Africa. What do I know? I just but, talk- but
1: you see that. You also see that in different parts of the world. Yeah. Right? I mean, in Europe, you have to put your picture on your CV.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's nuts.
1: Yeah. Right? You have to put your picture. You have to put your date of birth.
0: Mm-hmm. You Good. have
1: to put your marital status. Yes. With kids?
0: Oh, yes,
2: India, yes. I've seen those resumes. Yeah, they're I like, mean, oh, no kids. I'm like, what?
1: I remember when I moved to Israel, mm-hmm. right, in 2009, I went for a job interview. And the lady goes, you know, like her first question was, what would you do in the military? And I was like, well, I was in the U.S. military. as an intel officer. And then her second question was like, well, are you married? And I'm like, huh? <laughs>
0: are you allowed to ask that?
1: <laughs> I was like, are we dating?
0: <laughs> right.
1: Is this a job interview or are you trying to qualify me for the bachelor?
0: <laughs>
2: Unbelievable. You'd make a good bachelor, James. I mean, if you weren't married, but.
1: I'm, I'm married. I'm to the best woman on the planet. Like, she made married. me breakfast. Like, check this out.
0: We don't want anybody coming to beat James or the rest of them up here. <laughs> Happily really married. Uh, Anna, she made another comment. I'm actually hosting a job fair this weekend to try to bridge the gap between those entry-level folks and employers willing to give them a chance. Resume builder, 30 to 90-day trial period with a chance of hiring them full-time with startups and small businesses to start. So that's cool, Anna. Um, Danielle says, flood the market with junior cybersecurity jobs, and that will close the gap. You're right about that, lady. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's definitely work for
1: them. But 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 that's the thing, though. I think junior cybersecurity jobs are, are gonna be all but gone within the next two to three years.
2: Yeah, AI and machines, yeah.
1: Automation is gonna. I'm I'm a CISO of automation. So like I as a person would rather have qualified mid-range uh security force than a bunch of juniors. I'd want to automate as much of the junior work as I possibly mm-hmm. can. I've automated my pen testing. Take that.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: I don't have humans pen testing my network anymore. It's all automated.
2: Yeah. Just because we don't have enough headcount, we don't have the resources. I'd rather spend the 20 grand to buy a good solution than a hundred grand to hire a person. That's exactly yeah.
0: right. Right. JJ's back. Or is it with feather flock together, run around with toxic people, toxic <laughs> people and it will run you down, run around with positive people and watch how much your outlook changes.
1: Indeed, just
0: why, why does it sound like he just rap that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can just already put like a beat to it. Yeah, with an right? Irish
2: accent, just be like, "Yeah, birds of feather flock together."
0: <laughs> 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 oh my god! This person says, "I've had ha- I have had issues with HR arrogance, quote unquote arrogance towards college, almost as if they had to get a degree, so they want everyone to have one."
1: Misery loves company. <laughs> See, they're mad at you because you didn't go to college. You bought a house. You went to work. And they're still living in mom's basement, paying wow. off their college debt, working in HR, making wow. 55000 a year. I'm sorry. That's the truth. You're going there, James. I went there, done it, <laughs> mic drop.
2: Oh my <laughs> gosh. Right, I don't know a lot of HR professionals in the basement of their parents' house, but I mean, that misery loves company thing is real. It's an elitist thing, right?
1: It is. Like, you didn't
2: go to college. Well, I did, so I'm better than you. Be like, wait a second. Actually, no, that's not true.
0: And what's, what's fascinating, what I always saw a lot in HR is people like, oh, why is this person making that much money? Why is that person making that much money? I'm like, it's a different skill. Like, do you expect, would you expect to walk into a cybersecurity role and make, you know, 175 or whatever? And you don't have the skill. So I do see, you know, I've seen some of that where it's like, oh, this person is making It's like, it's based on what they went, you know, what they study, what's in, what's in demand. It's all types of different reasons why people make what they do. So, um, that's a good comment mm-hmm. yeah um
1: osama ben hutch daman that can have millions of college degrees but they lack well, the skills Lack the skills to do the job yeah yeah you often see people who come with college degrees who don't have the skills
0: Dwayne Smith, the CISO, says, I will hire an entry-level person who demonstrates enthusiasm and eagerness to learn. Personality says a lot. Get, on the show. Get him on the show. And tell him. Tell him. Dwayne. Tell him. Yep. Um, Anna is saying having people acquire a long-term mentor too, that can help guide them in the right direction.
1: That, Absolutely. That mentor mentee relationship is is really good for some people.
0: Yeah. Very, very good. Yeah, more than one, not just one mentor for sure. Yeah. Tons of comments. Julia says, would a junior level person consist of a person with over a decade experience with systems admin or <laughs> systems engineering and pivoted to a cyber role with three years of experience?
1: If if that's a junior person, then you know, like they said, Kubernetes has been around for th- <laughs> the, the you know, Kubernetes uh they wanted 13 years of experience for Kubernetes when it's only been around for eight.
2: No, a junior is zero to two
0: years. That's really yeah.
1: Serious. You're you're beyond junior, Julius. Way beyond.
0: Way beyond junior. Danielle has a good comment here. Senior levelism is not racism in my experience. And comment to the the guy's racism. Um, yeah. Point. Uh, another user says, "I am a retired member of the military, and I can remember a couple of times after an interview, they offered me a su- substandard pay." And when I discussed it with them, they claimed that I didn't need to get as much money from them because I had my military retirement. I am a reserve component retiree, so I won't collect reserve retirement until age 60. Needless to say, I avoided accepting that job or any job with that company. You are absolutely right. And
1: absolutely- you are right. And I think that any company that does and says that should be shamed online. Like, I'm not for doxing anyone, but I would definitely dox, dox that. Company, oh, yeah. I would definitely dox that company. Because definitely. he's a veteran, veterans yeah. bring you more skills to your organization than you can ever imagine. Having a veteran in your organization is is having character in your company.
0: Mm-hmm. For somebody, too, another thing that I would see, and I know Naomi has to run soon, so we will, um, we're gonna wrap in like two minutes or less. But another thing that I've seen is, you know, people looking at other people's backgrounds and like the job, what the job pays. And this is what I would love to see out here. Like, this is the job. This is the salary. That's it. If you fit, this is the number. Because all of this other behind the scenes stuff that's going on, who cares if I have another job and I don't need the extra money? Who cares about all this stuff? This is the budget for the role. This is what it should be. You fit the qualifications. This is how much it is. Mm-hmm. And then we don't have all these other issues that we have going on. There's mm-hmm. absolutely no reason for somebody to be telling a military veteran, oh, well, I don't need to pay you money because you're getting your military. Are you nuts? That's.
1: Yeah. I'm- yeah. On yeah, the yeah. other
0: side of that, we've got
2: applicants who have
0: just completely
2: outrageous expectations in terms of salaries. So they're like zero to two years experience. 120 grand, you know, obviously. We're like, wait, hold on. You're self-selecting yourself out because you have no idea what the market is. You're not going to get more than six figures if you have no experience. And people expect it. You're yeah. like, no, it's cyber. I'm like, no.
1: Well, I love it because they they base it on one Google search, and then they pick <laughs> they pick the website, right? That's like the ultimate clickbait website.
0: What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. So um, two points, and then um, we have to hop. We could probably do a part two to this because clearly there's ton of discussion going on. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Smith says, remember, as a candidate, you are interviewing the company, too. So we are all happy that you didn't get in there. And our dear friend Meryl says, "Meryl, for this. Hello. Four mentors. Hey, yep. Meryl. Well done. Awesome. Four mentors. Well, this was as entertaining as I expected from you two fabulous people. This was such a great conversation. Much more to come. Can we do a part two before the end of the month?
1: Yeah, let's do it. If
2: 2020 lets us,
1: you know. I I don't know what else is going to happen. You know, there's two (laughs) months left for this year, but I was, I think I told someone yesterday, I was like, January 1st, I hope it rains and I can walk outside and welcome 2021
2: like, ah! (laughs) We saw we like redemption at the end there,
0: like in the
1: rain. Yeah, like I would just want to be out in the rain on January 1st, 2021 and be like, 2020 never happened. <laughs>
0: right, let's just erase
1: it. Like everyone thought the year 2000 was going to be like the worst year ever. <laughs> 20 years later, Y2K happened in 2020. Yeah, like yeah. everything that we thought was going to happen in 2000 happened this year
0: so true human so viruses
1: true. computer viruses <laughs> trojan horses you name it it's all like like just weirdness twitter down twitter.
0: <laughs> twitter.
2: <laughs> twitter media energy yeah i feel it let's keep this positive guys thanks for having us Renee. i know this thanks Renee. Awesome. bye everybody bye,
1: bye everyone thank thanks you
2: for watching